Thanks for listening to the GCC Sermon Podcast. We'd love to meet you for worship on Sundays at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Visit georgetownchristian.org for more info. Working together today for an eternal tomorrow. That's our tagline here at Project Manana. On September 30th, 2010, we opened our doors here in the Dominican Republic. We had one mission, and that is to share the gospel message and help break the cycle of poverty. Today, Project Manana employs more than 50 staff members, and we have six projects. Our nutrition project, which is bringing nutritious meals to children who are in desperate need of food. Education project, which touches all areas of schooling. Our clean water project, which brings in-home point-of-use filters to families that desperately need clean water. Our Princess Project, which focuses on self-esteem and empowering young ladies to help fight the teen pregnancy rate that we face here in the Dominican Republic. Our Prison Project, which has helped over 9,000 incarcerated men and women have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And all of that is wrapped together with our sixth and most important project, which is our Timothy Project. And that is to focus on discipleship, mentorship, and leadership development of the people who we work with here in the Dominican Republic. Thank you, and God bless. Good morning again. I don't think uh, after that video, Brian needs much of an introduction, (laughs) but I want to take the opportunity to let you know the personal connection Georgetown has with Brian and Project Manana. For the past several several years, uh, some of us have been able to go down and work with them on the uh, prison project. And uh, I can tell you that the Brian and the staff are very energetic. They work very hard and they're doing a very, very effective work. And uh, they have really earned our support and our friendship. So without <laughs> further ado, Brian Berman, he's the co-founder and president of Project Minyana. Thanks, John. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Buenos dias. Uh, let me just start by saying uh, this is my second time coming here. Um, and the reality is I'm coming back, I think, in three weeks for the uh, beans and rice party that you're going to have. That sounds pretty good. So uh, that's our staple diet. And, and I just want to say that um, I'm the least likely candidate to be here with you this morning. I'm the least likely person and evidence that God truly does use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And this morning, it doesn't matter if you've been a believer in the faith for many years Or if you just stumbled in at an invitation of a friend this morning and today's your first time inside a church sanctuary, I believe the message today is for you. It's for all of us and it's something that's near and dear to my heart and I hope it will be near and dear to your heart as you leave today a different person than when you came in. Uh, I got a picture of my family. I've got a beautiful wife. Uh, She's Dominican. Her name is Nebraska Carolina. I don't know why her mom put two states for her names, but I scored. So I've got Nebraska Carolina. I've got my son Kyler, who's 12 years old, and my daughter Kyla is nine years old, and our daughter Kira, uh, our our daughter, she's kind of like a daughter. It's our dog named Kira. So we've got got Carolina, Kyler, Kyler, I can't even say them all, and Brian. So that's my family, and um, they send their greetings from the Dominican Republic. So this morning, we're going to do a little Spanish lesson. I need everyone to say, fe valiente. 
Excellent. Fe valiente is what we're going to be talking this morning, and we're going to be looking at a section of scripture about courageous faith. Something that I would think, no matter where you're at in your faith, you would agree, it's good to have courage and faith, courageous faith. And we're going to look at a section of scripture that maybe you've heard before, and hopefully we unpack it a little bit different, and we walk in the shoes of Peter. This morning during our communion time, you got to hear about Peter properly naming the Messiah as he was identifying Jesus. And we're going to look at Peter and learn a little bit more about his personality. So if you've got your Bible, your mobile app, turn to Matthew chapter 14. If you don't, no problem. We're going to put it up on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 22. Let me read it for us. It says, immediately... Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. He dismissed them from the crowd. Now let me stop right there and I'll set the scene for us. Dismissing them from the crowd, the section of scripture right before this, Jesus just gets done with the miracle of feeding the 5,000. We know that there was probably about 10,000 people present or more because it doesn't count women and children. And we know that there was no technology of microphones, so he was yelling as loud as he could and being as animated as he could to reach his voice to every single person. While he's preaching, people get hungry. A little boy has a couple fish and some loaves of bread. And Jesus does an incredible miracle of giving everybody a meal while he finishes his sermon. So he's tired. And we unpack the story that follows. So bow your heads with me and let's open in prayer. Father God, as we look at your scripture, Lord, as I have the privilege and honor to be here at Georgetown, Father God, I just ask that you allow me to fade into the background, Lord. Allow only your Holy Spirit to be seen and your words to be conveyed upon our hearts and our minds. Thank you for this place that we have to worship you on your Sabbath day, our Messiah. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So there we are in verse 22. The disciples are into the boat, and it says, starting in verse 23, after he dismissed them, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So here's the scene that we're unpacking. Jesus is off. He's praying on the mountain. The disciples get into a boat. Now, it's not a fancy boat like we have today. It's probably a little fishing boat, maybe a half hole, something like this. And they're out in the middle of the night. There's some waves going on. There's a storm. It's dark. And they're out in a ways. Okay? That's our scene. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake... They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Now, yeah, I think I would be terrified too. I think fear is natural. I think if you saw a dude out on the water in the middle of this storm, you would be pretty terrified, scared, questioning what's going on. Meanwhile, it's pitch black. The boat is shaking all around. The, the storm is hitting. And I'll tell you, what's about to happen is pretty incredible. So, so let's look at what happens. So they yell out to Jesus in verse 27. It says, but Jesus immediately said to him, to them, take courage, do not be afraid. And then in verse 28, it happens. Peter. Now, I'll be super honest. What Peter's about to do would not be me. 
I would probably be huddled down in the bottom of the boat, scared and just trying to get through the storm. But Peter, it's not good enough that he sees this figure on the water. It's not good enough that they talked to it and it responded saying, do not be afraid, it is I. Peter needs to be 100% sure. So look what Peter does. Peter says in verse 28, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come walk to you on the water. Now, I don't know, maybe he could have chosen a different method to confirm that this was really Jesus. But Peter decides, nope, the best way to determine that is I'm going to walk on water to you. So Jesus, of course, calls his bluff in verse 29, and it says, come. It says, then Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water and came towards Jesus. So there's Peter. He's kind of put one leg over and and it's solid, and he gets the other leg over, and it's solid, and now he's starting to walk on the water in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm, towards this ghostly figure that is talking to him that says it's Jesus. Best day ever. Like, you can't get more courage, you can't get more faith than that. He had the courage to call out to Jesus, he had the faith to step out of the boat, and there he is walking on the water. If that were me, and I told you it wouldn't have been, I'd been hiding at the bottom of the boat, I would have zero doubt that keeping my eyes on Jesus is the right way to go. I would have zero doubt that Jesus truly is the Messiah and can do miraculous things. I would have zero doubt that anything else in life matters, because why? I'm walking on water. But guess what Peter does? He does exactly what you and I do all the time. You see, here's the deal, friends. Storms will come. Maybe some of you are getting out of a storm. Maybe some of you are right in the middle of it, and you think, how am I ever going to get out of a storm? Maybe some of you are not in a storm, and that's good, but I'll say, be prepared, it will come. Life is ebbs and flows. It's peaks and valleys. This is what happens. The whole purpose of life, friends, is for us to grow grow closer to God. He desperately wants to call us home. And we do that through storms. Now Peter's walking on the water. He's going towards Jesus. Things are going great, and he does what we do. Look at the next verse. Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus. It says in verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, I don't know about you, but I do this. I'm best day ever. I'm walking on water. I'm focused on Jesus. My priorities are right. And then I start to realize all the problems, all the storms, all the stresses, my wife, my kids, my work, my this, my that. And what do we do? It's exactly the song that we sang this morning. Is we take our eyes off of Jesus, don't we? And when we take our eyes off of Jesus, inevitably something starts to happen. We sink. We start to sink because we think that we are smarter, we can solve our problems. There's TV programs and personalities that have all the great advice and we can download a a podcast or we can find the answer on social media. The reality is, friends, only Jesus can keep us walking on the water. And we need to have this thing called courageous faith. We need to have courage and faith if we want to grow closer to Jesus. But when the storm hits, 
like Peter, and we take our eyes off of Jesus, we start to sink. Now, if the story ended there, it would be bad news. Good news, it doesn't end there. My favorite part is the very next verse, verse 31, and it's the very first word. Remember, Peter just cried out, Lord, save me. Very first word of verse 31, what does Jesus say? Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, and then he kind of gives it to him a little bit. He says, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Jesus didn't stop and pray about it. Jesus didn't consider it. Jesus didn't kind of let him sink a little bit further. Jesus immediately reached out and pulled Peter up. Now, I'm not saying that all we have to do is just yell out, Lord, save me, and boom, all of our problems go away. We know that's not how it works, but I will tell you, immediately, Jesus is holding your hand and walking with you on the water. The story finishes with both Jesus and Peter returning to the boat, verse 32. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Why did the storm stop? Because Jesus no longer needed it to show Peter what it looks like to have courageous faith. And when we're with Jesus and our priorities are him and we're focused on him, he will calm the storm. And that's just the reality. So here's what I want us to learn, friends. Three important things. If we're going to have courageous faith, what are three things that we can learn from the scripture? Number one, God himself tells us to take courage and not to be afraid in verse 27. I was just talking with somebody in first service. The reality is the Bible has over 365 times where it says, do not be afraid, do not worry. That's one for every day. So if you need a scripture for every single day, reiterating, do not be afraid. God himself tells us that. And that's number one on how to have courageous faith. Number two, fear emerges when we take our eyes off of God in verse 30. Fear emerges when our focus and priorities are no longer on God and we're trying to handle it on our own. Satan takes over and fear emerges. And finally, number three that I want us to learn this morning to be in a courageous faith relationship with God. When we cry out to God, he is immediately with us in verse 30. So if you haven't paid attention to anything I've said, I'm going to give you the bottom line right now. Courage plus faith gives you an encounter with God. You want to have an encounter with God? Step out in courage, have a faith, and that's where God will meet you on the water. So, if we're going to have a courageous faith, what does it look like? And there's one question that I have to ask all of us. Are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? Now, let me define it for you, Webster's Dictionary. A fan is an enthusiastic admirer. We can be fans of lots of stuff, right? Enthusiastic admirer. It takes no action. A follower, on the other hand, is somebody that imitates another. The word Christian or Christ-like means imitating of Jesus Christ. There's some action involved in that. And there's a great book by uh, Pastor Kyle Eilman uh, called Fan and Follower, and they took a survey 
of uh, Christian believers that identified as Christians. And sadly, this is the result. The majority identified as fans instead of followers of Jesus. My question for all of us is, no matter which category are we in right now, are you going to stay there or are perhaps you going to switch to a category of being a follower of Jesus? What does that look like? Luke chapter 9, verse 23, which we won't go into in depth, but you can mark it, gives us the perfect formula on how to do this. It says, then Jesus said to the crowd, if anyone wants to be a follower, that's what we're trying to figure out, you must uh, turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. The quick and easy three-step method. Basically, you want to be a follower of Jesus? Follow him. What do we understand from this? Friends, that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And here's the reality of what the church is. The church should be a hospital for the hurting, not a hotel for the holy. If that's the case, I couldn't check in. The reality is we come together as a body of believers to, where, to take that step of walking on water, growing in courageous faith to get closer to God. No matter what your storm is, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've gone through, the good news in verse 31, first word, immediately when we cry out, God is there. I'd like to finish by sharing a little bit about a person who I believe had courageous faith. It was a school teacher named Ingrid, and she was incredible. She taught sixth and seventh grade math and science in Simi Valley, California, where I grew up. She was voted best teacher or favorite teacher in the yearbook every year. Not only did she teach math and science to these students, but she stayed after and taught the swing dance club and the leadership team, and she was just always involved in her students. And there it was on March 18th, 2003. March 18, 2003, Ingrid was being celebrated, and the reality was in the school cafeteria where they did the assemblies, there wasn't enough room, so they moved it down the street to the local church, and there was over 2,000 people that showed up to the celebration. They used city buses, and they busted in students and faculty and staff, and friends and family came, and I had the VIP seat right there in the front row. And when we got into the sanctuary, it was much like this. It was an A-frame, but there was the old-style pews down the, the both rows, and there was a center aisle. People piled in, and they played a video about Ingrid and showed her infectious laugh and times with her students. And, and then the MC said, is there anybody that wants to say something about Ingrid? And friends, it was like popcorn. I mean, people jumping out of their chairs to line up to say something about Ingrid. And, and let me just be super transparent with you. Especially for those of us that are believers, we know that we don't do things for recognition or fame or treasures here. Our treasures are stored up in heaven. But there I was sitting in the front row, and instead of thinking about this incredible woman named Ingrid and all the wonderful stuff and all the people saying incredible things, maybe I was doing what you would do. And that was, I was thinking about me. I was reflecting on my life. I'm a good person. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a Christian school. I go to church on Sundays. But what would people celebrate about me? What would people say about me? 
Am I a fan? Am I a follower? Am I... What would they say about me? And, and in this moment, here, here, friends, let me just be super honest with you what, what, what I believe. I believe they probably call me a clown. I believe that they would say that Monday through Saturday, Brian lives one way, and then on Sunday, he puts on his Sunday best and goes to church and loves praising God, but the reality is he's a clown. He's a hypocrite because he lives one way throughout the week, and then on Sunday comes in and is trying to be a different person. Matter of fact, it would probably look something like this, like Monday through Saturday, this is what I would wear, trying to solve it on my own, trying to walk on water on my own, but the reality was I was a hypocrite. I was living for myself and not living as a follower of Jesus. And there I was, and I finally realized, maybe today you're realizing the same thing, friends. It's time to take off our ridiculous clown nose. It's time to get courageous faith and say, you know what? I'm going to take a step, one step at a time, closer to relationship with Jesus. And then that's when it happened. The very end, the MC says, is there anybody else that would like to come say something in the microphone? And way in the back, way in the back, this beautiful little girl, probably about 13 years old, long blonde hair. She had these blue headlight eyes. She stands up. You could see she's terrified. She's certainly probably never spoke to 2,000 people before, and she's got no eye contact, and physically you can see she's shaking, and she starts walking down that center aisle. And as she's walking down the aisle, you can hear her feet shuffling on the floor. She's not making eye contact, and the room starts to get quiet. It was silent in that room. Everybody was waiting to hear what this little girl would say. And as she makes her way up, still with no eye contact and fearfully trembling, she grabs on the microphone stand and it bumps onto her chin and the feedback is now making it just absolutely awkward. And, and friends, this is what she says. She says, Ingrid didn't know this, but I, I used to get detention in her class because I didn't have a mom like hers at home. and I just wanted to spend time with her. And there it was, friends. On March 18th, 2003, I realized you can invest in things or you can invest in people. Ingrid figured that out many years prior. And the reality is, it's not a sad story. Let me explain the rest of the story to you. March 18th, 2003, just so happened to be Ingrid Berman's, my mother's 25th wedding anniversary and the day she lost her battle with leukemia and went to be with the Lord. And here we are all these years later, a over two decades later, and because she was an ordinary person that knew the importance of courageous faith and investing in people instead of things, a lot has happened since then.
I'm originally from California. I've been in the Dominican. Don't hold that against me, by the way. I've been in Dominican for the last 17 years. Um, and I'll tell you, when we listen to what God is calling us to do, he uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. You heard about our six projects at Project Mignana that we have. Uh, today, we're one of the fastest and largest growing ministries on the island, almost 70 people on staff full time. And it's incredible to see that over 380 children eat a nutritious meal with us every single day. And the coolest thing happens is when you give a child a full belly, their mind opens up. And we know the only way to break the cycle of poverty is in education. So we started the very first and only private school. Now it's rated number one out of 36 schools in our school district. So glory to God for that. 210 kids going to school for the very first time. Our clean water project is providing 59.6 million gallons of clean drinking water every single year and growing through different filters at people's homes. Our princess project is working with young ladies that are coming into womanhood and really teaches them about their bodies and about babies and about life and about all kinds of things to help prevent the teen pregnancy rate. The Dominican Republic is the fourth highest teen pregnancy rate in the world. I'm not talking 18, 19. I'm talking 13, 14, 15. We have an incredible prison project, which John mentioned this morning, where we're in 16 of 21 prisons. Listen, I stayed, spent my whole life trying to stay out of prison. And I can't wait to get in now. And listen, men's ministry and prison ministry was the last thing on my radar. I love working with high school students. I was trying to figure out how to be a man, how to be a husband, a father. Last thing I want to do was go tell a bunch of inmates how to do it. But after two years of a Dominican pastor inviting me, to be a guest speaker in the local prison in the Dominican. I finally agreed just to shut him up for real. I went, was in a room just like that, except it was all square with concrete blocks. I had the VIP plastic chair up in the front and the inmates started to pile in. 50 of them, 100 of them, 200, three, four, five, however many hundreds of these inmates that piled in. And it was exactly what I thought I would encounter in a Dominican full maximum security prison. They looked like they could eat me with just looking at me. These guys were big. I was intimidated. I loved to speak. And for the first time, I was without words. And then the Dominican pastor gets up to a pulpit that was made of wood that later I found out the inmates made. And he says, God himself has sent you an incredible preacher from the United States, and he's going to save you. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. And then the roar of the clapping when they received me was just overwhelming. And so I grabbed my plastic chair. I dragged it to the front, right between the center aisle. I moved the pulpit out of the way. And I sat down. And I said, I don't know who he introduced, but he couldn't make it today. So you guys got me. And we started to have a conversation. And friends, here's what I learned. They were just like the high school students that I loved to work with. They desperately wanted to be known and loved. They were trying to make decisions, some of them bad decisions, just like we do. And here's what I also learned. Number two, I saw whatever the number was, 300, 400 mirrors staring back at me. That these were people made in the image and the likeness of God that desperately wanted to be known and loved and desperately wanted to know and love God. And my wife thinks I'm crazy most of the time, but that night, she really did. I cried myself to sleep. That was nearly 12 years ago. Now, 
where in 16 of 21 prisons, over 10,000 men and women inmates uh, have graduated through our Institute for Authentic Manhood and Womanhood. If you've got a shorter name for that, please see me after the service. Um, where we're teaching people how to be authentic men and women in Jesus. Our last project that we have is the Timothy Project, which is our reason for existing, and that is sharing the gospel message and discipling people. Why do I share all of this with you? Because I want to say, first of all, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your participation in Georgetown. Thank you for your generous giving and being involved in food packing. Listen, I just learned about the food packing this morning. Uh, we have had ministries like this that have delivered food through Project Manana to others. I don't believe this, these packs are coming to us. They're going somewhere else. I don't know where. But here's what I want to tell you. $4,500, friends, let's blow that out of the water. I have sat with people whose only meal were these food packs. Let's get so many people food that the only question they can ask is why, and the only answer is Jesus loves you. So give generous to that. They didn't ask me to say that. I'm taking a liberty since I have the microphone. But please come, enjoy that event. I think that would be great. Friends, I'll finish on this. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Let's walk out of here today, walking on water with a courageous faith that says, you know what, Lord? My faith and my courage are going to intersect with you. Thank you for your time this morning, for everything. Let me finish in prayer. Father God, thank you for the leadership of Pastor Chris. Thank you for Georgetown. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house today on Sabbath and just say nothing is more important than hearing your word, breathing your word, and understanding that you want us to have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that no matter where we are at, if there's somebody here uh, that's had many years in the faith, Lord, and, and they don't have that courageous faith that maybe they once did, Lord, that today they would say, I want to grow that again. If there's someone that just stumbled in and is trying to figure out what it is to have a relationship with you, Lord, that they would come after the service to me, to Pastor Chris, to the leadership here at Georgetown and ask, how can I have a relationship like that with Jesus where I can literally walk on water? Father, I pray blessings on the ministry here locally serving each one of the congregants, serving the local ministries, serving the domestic ministries in the United States, and all of the 18 ministries that Georgetown is able to invest in, which are all for your kingdom. Thank you for the opportunity this morning to be able to be here, Father God, and listen to your word. I pray courageous faith over each one in your name, Jesus. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.